Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? Breathlessly ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Well, let's go! Breathlessly ready, he says. That's right, baby. Messing up my intro. Hey, everybody, it's December. The second, to be for sure. Paul Cuthbert here in New York. And our good friend, Mr. Robert Cuny in Maryland. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Mr. Cuny, how are you, sir? Greetings and salutations, everyone. Thrilled that we are finally in the last month of this dreaded 2020. Happy December, everybody. Happy, Happy December. December to you, man. Thank you. Man, you're I looking guess we'll... good. You're looking good on the second day of December. I know nobody Thank else you. out there can see this, but man, I'm telling you. And I'm talking like uh, the skipper from the <laughs> Penguins of Madagascar right now. Hey, Kowalski, well, check out CUNY. Like the opening <laughs> says, we're two good-looking guys on the radio for you. I guess we should start with all the usual uh, vacation small chattery. Uh, oh, wait for it. Hey, Paul, how was your Thanksgiving? I got to get on the Peloton. That's, that's what's going on. That's what's going on, buddy. <laughs> Between COVID and these holidays uh, centered around food and one more big one to go. Bully's no. has got to get back into, uh, you know. Got to get into fighting game shape. shape. Game shape. Game shape. I, I mean, you. Uh, you know. There's some teams out there in professional sports that might need some players the way things are going out there, you know? So, I yes, mean, sir. if I had still been living in Denver last week, buddy, I would have tried out for the Broncos. There was yeah, a spot we'll, open. There certainly was. There was more than one. There was a whole room available, apparently, and we'll obviously get more into that later, but what a disgrace that was. Um, <laughs> my own Thanksgiving, of course, was gluttonous. <laughs> Um, I don't know how else to describe it, except uh, I was thinking about your idea of just putting all of the Thanksgiving food on the plate and, and obviating the need for seconds and thirds. And I think I did that, but then I said, hmm, still kind of hungry. I mean, you know, I, we, we, oh, we, no. started, we started to chow down, um, at right around four fifteen, four thirty when the woofed skins we're playing Dallas, and I enjoyed a, a nice plate full of That's a plate full name. of it is a plate full of my sainted mother's fabulous uh, Thanksgiving dinner, and then, oy vey, uh right about halftime, like hmm, still hey, I said, Mom, that that food still out there on the dining room table? No, it's halftime. You went back for fifths. <laughs> I got a rub down, got a massage by the trainer, did a little time in the tub. And then I went back and filled the plate again. It was awesome. Oh, no. Oh, and that's before. Dessert. He said with a smile and a tip of his cap. That was before the the this, the wedge. <laughs> the wedge of pumpkin pie with just a pile. The best way to describe it, the pile of Cool Whip 
not a sponsor of the sports haunches, but it could be, but not yet. So I'll just call it whipped topping, the name that rhymes with tool slip. So that's how my Thanksgiving was. And then, of course, it was Coma City with no game Thursday night after the Wolfed Skins defeated the Cowmen. Stop saying that. <laughs> it's horrible. It's better than Washington football team. After that, it was I just slipped further into oblivion until uh, I was unconscious. Now, and I think you, I woke up in time for a Monday to go back to work. Did you have um, did you stay within your uh, covid capacity? Restrictions, or did you have like 700 people over the house? Well, I accounted for at least two, just me alone by the time dinner was over. Okay. Um, but no, there were four of us. It was mom and I and Grace and her daughter, Caitlin. And uh, we didn't sit at a table. We had food on the table. We kind of had a buffet, if you will. Mom and I sat in one room more than six feet apart, and Grace and Caitlin sat in another room far apart. Um so it was extremely social, which is good because not ideal though when, for a food fight. No, when the game is on, well, yeah, that's true. We, the food fight is next Thanksgiving, uh, <laughs> when my sons will be joining me. Uh, it's great for a football game because when the football game is on, Ixnay on the talking. Really? Are you all, that all stri- I, yeah, You know all, what? You've been talking all I about. What? Go ahead. All I want to hear is people chewing. <laughs> all right. So I know you talk about watching. Um, uh, the foot day ball with uh, with mom. Uh, give me is are you that strict? Like you know, are you that intense? Are you like four feet away from the screen and you you can't talk to anybody? You can't be tolerated. You can't you know. I mean, does Grace get a word in? I mean, if she's well, you know, if if somebody's breaking into the house, are you like everything's in the in the bedroom? I'm watching the game right now. I mean, what kind of how does it go down when Rob Cooney's watching his okay. uh, his football? So team? actually, it's generally speaking, just mom and I. Um, so the loud one and the more vulgar one of the two is, of course, Mama Kaplan. Way to go, Mom. Who, who, do you think, who do you think taught me how to be, you know, obnoxious to watch football with? Now, I'm not as bad as I might portray it to be. I'm like, I do get angry. Um, I don't raise my voice a lot. But for the Super Bowl, for instance, a game that I actually want to watch, I used to love doing the whole – Let's have the whole mishpucha over and have a big Super Bowl party and eat ourselves into oblivion and talk about the commercials. Uh, but then I realized I'm kind of missing the game. And I really don't – for that game and actually all the playoffs, really for the Super Bowl, not that the wolf skins will be in anytime soon. I don't want to be bothered. Then I don't – then I really would be like, oh, somebody's breaking into the house. Just hope to hold the door open for them and tell them if they could leave me the TV and the bowl of chips, they can have everything else. Um, so no, I don't mind watching and I'm no, I'm not as bad as, you know, don't talk as soon as the game starts, but I, I, I like my interruptions kept to a minimum when I'm watching even, even a, a, a meaningless contest between my team and then the other team. And for the most part, they generally are meaningless this time of year. So well, that's, that's unfortunate, but that's just the way yeah. I, yeah, I mean, actually, buddy, don't feel too, too bad because the rest of the league is, it's pretty horrible quite mediocre as I know as, as I, I know out. I know your feelings about the National Football League are well known they're just it's just a little higher above the Major League Soccer League that's also here in the states as far as quality ouch ouch <laughs> if you could see me if you could see me folks that was a needle jabbed into my eye by one Mr. Paul Cuthbert <laughs> Ooh, sorry to do that well look my my buddy Ray um he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and he's a buck nothing thin guy He's a big uh, 
Ranger fan, but a, a, just a diehard Giant fan. And we haven't watched the game in quite a while. And I just have phenomenal memories of, of uh, you know, and he's got this little Irish mom. You know, unfortunately his dad passed away years ago, but um, little Irish mom. And we used to go to the house. And, you know, Ray also, he works in the uh, Postal Service. But, and we call him, like, the mayor. He's around town. You know, everybody knows him. You know, the, the, everybody right. knows the mailman. I know the type. Amongst <laughs> friends and everything like that, too. He's just, oh, I love Ray. Oh, Ray's such a sweetheart. Oh, Ray's such a nice guy. He'd do anything for you. Oh, Ray's the best. Did you see him? Oh, he said hi. He's always coming by. He's great. Well, put him in front of a TV screen and the Giants are on? It's unbelievable. He turns <laughs> into the Tasmanian devil. The language that comes out of his mouth. Um, I think he's broken a few of TVs over the years, but I've never seen, I mean, it's really, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Banner turning into Hulk. It's, wow. It's, yeah. It's, it's really, um, it's a sight to see. It's Impressive. <laughs> um, cause even, even, you know, he's a diehard New York Rangers fan like myself and he gets pretty angry about that, but man, there's, n- there's something about, and I think that's, you know, I'm more of a hockey fan. Right. And, you know, I can take you through playoff games and stuff and, and little things that I do, and I have to sit in a certain corner, and if I if I move something, if my sleeve is half up and they score the goal, i got to keep it that way for the rest of the series, all those oh. kind of like... Uh, no, absolutely, kinda absolutely understandable. Yeah, and I might, you know, rave a little bit and get mad and stuff and angry. Most of the times, if, 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 if I'm frustrated and the team's not, I'll just turn the thing off and I'll leave. Uh, a quick little story on side note on the Rangers. When the uh, Devils tied the game up in Game 7, to go to this, you know, the, the the conference finals there, and um, Zella Buchan scored. I actually left. I said I can't let the Rangers run my life anymore. They don't even care because they were going into wow. overtime. I wasn't gonna be able to take it. <laughs> so that's how I was. But anyway, uh, Ray, um, just um, he's he's an animal. He's a beast, and I find that uh, amongst more of my buddies who are football fans, as opposed to any other sport, even diehard Yankee fans or. Met fans that I know, any any other sport, but football, mm-hmm. and it is an aggressive sport. There's no doubt about it. Obviously, but, slightly uh, aggressive. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> something. There's a little more focus, and I, this gets. I don't know if we've talked about it on the show, but I, I've always felt that the NFL is our national pastime as opposed to baseball. I, I just nationally, yes. Regionally, maybe not so much. There's still places where baseball is king, but from a national standpoint, yes, football is our national pastime. Well, right now, it's just a national right. lousy, lousy time. But. It's still the pastime. But anyway, I was, I was Ouch, that's the other out. eye you just stuck a needle in. <laughs> well, it's just interesting to uh, find out, um, you know, how you and, and, and Mama Cooney actually watched the game. So Actually. Uh, I'm not coming over, Freddie. Uh, it's, it's Mama Kaplan, please. Oh, I apologize. Not, do not insult her by calling her Mama Cooney. She already paid those Mama days. Kaplan, I'm really sorry about that, but uh, your son here didn't fill me in on... Um, yeah, on, sorry. On the ice cream that was taken away from you. <laughs> I don't understand what that means. <laughs> I don't even want to, I don't think I well, want to know. You know, what I that use means. that sometimes if, if if somebody, you know, if I if I say something and I didn't know a backstory about something, oh, okay. I throw an ice cream. Somebody took your ice cream away. I, it could be, you know. There you go. Not making light of any situation obviously, but I'm just, you know, I'm just making light of this situation. Yeah, because everybody loves ice cream. <laughs> everybody loves ice cream, especially when it's and, – and people get angry just like, you know, football fans when it's taken away from them. But it's, it is amazing how the most mild-mannered, sweetest people, when you put on whatever team they're watching, whatever football team it is, it's like a totally different person. And it's at once shocking 
and yet you can't turn away like any good train wreck. So there's probably some stats too, man. If you go to uh, you know maybe Cleveland, uh, maybe Buffalo for maybe the, mm-hmm. you know, a very long time, maybe till back to the fifties, I guess. Um, Jets fan, you know, if you look at the road rage statistics, right. A lot of them are probably just if it's a if there's an NFL team in that specific area that has a losing record, those are probably the people with the road rage. Well, I mean, I can tell you here. I mean, there was a time when I would go to work Monday, and if let's just say I was on a desert island for the weekend with no TV, no internet, God forbid, no electricity, and had no idea if the if the wolf skins won or not, I would just see how the people are at work, see how traffic was Monday morning. If people are hunched over their steering wheels with a white knuckle death grip on the wheel and people are yelling at you first thing in the morning and there's just rage and anger and bitterness, hey, bitterness and rage, that's a good combination. Then I knew that the wolf skins had lost. But if everybody is in a good mood and, you know, people are driving with their tops down, their car tops, that is, and it's, you know, sub-freezing temperatures, then I know. Good times. So... It's not so much that way anymore because people have just resigned themselves to the misery that is our football team. But at the time when they, you know, they were winning and losing, not just losing, the mood of the city was absolutely predicated on how the skins did. Not so much with the uh, the Nationals prior to the championship. No, 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 not so much the Nationals, not even the Caps, not the Zards. <laughs> Ravens. Now, I mean, you know, the Ravens. Well, now, and, uh, now, I mean, I know I that's Baltimore. In, I know, but. Yeah. Baltimore, I'm sure, is the same way. I mean, I just watched – I just got finished watching uh, Wednesday afternoon football with my son, who's the biggest Ravens fan I know. Um, and because they have a lot of success, every loss is heartbreaking how, how, and agonizing. How did, you, how did you lose your son to the Ravens? That's an excellent question. And he's not a fake fan. I mean, he's he knows his depth of knowledge of the team is quite extraordinary. I think at the beginning it was, well, you know, my family, they like the, the skins – so I'm going to drift this way. The other son, the younger one, Noah, big Redskins fan. But somehow, Jacob, that apple was flung miles and miles from the tree. And I think maybe there was some of that, the whole idea of if everyone's doing X, I'm going to do Y. Now I believe he really is. He just likes the team. So I, I've, I've given up trying are. to I've given up trying to bring him back into the fold. Oh, so you, fact, have, you have tried to convert him back? Well, just leading by example. Does, I mean, does it, does it piss you off that he's a Ravens no. fan? You're no. okay. Now, 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 if he was an Eagles fan, he would have already been written out of the will. So and ones, uh, I'd be teams. telling people I had one son, oh, okay. not two. I can take the Ravens, different conference, same state. They're a likable team. Their fans aren't obnoxious. If he was a Giants fan or, God help us, a Cowboys fan, any team in our division, he'd be done. Oh, so it's a divisional thing. Not so yeah, much I would a have, city thing. If, if he were an Eagles fan, I would have put him in a basket, even at 19 years old. Did something old. terrible happen to you in Philadelphia years ago? No, they're just a terrible <laughs> team. I would have put him in a basket at 19 and driven him down to the fire station and said, you know, here, take this, take this orphan and raise him as your own. I would have driven him out to the wolves somewhere out in the country and had him raised by wolves there. Anything to get him out of my sight. But Is he lucky, he's, huh? he's, he's going to like a, a bird team. He picked the right one. And no self-respecting Washington fan is anything but bad things to say about the city of brotherly hate. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge. I don't see. I don't. You know. I don't mind you getting into trouble. I don't know if I need to get into trouble here. And maybe. Yeah, come on. Hey, look, if anybody wants to call and you know? complain, 
My number's 911. Just <laughs> dial me up. I'm ready. Operators are standing by. I'll even give you my address, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It's the house with the white columns in the Rose Garden. Make sure you bring a gun. It's a tough neighborhood. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, all right, last question on this Ravens thing with your son here. Uh, now, have you, yes. have you, uh, you know, the holidays coming up, mm-hmm. you know, have you ever had to purchase him Raven? Oh, Man, yeah, that's 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 a, a yearly occurrence. And again, I'm fine with it. You're oh, so you're okay with that? Yeah. I, again, his fandom, uh, since it's legitimate and it's not just designed to annoy the family, I'm fine with it. Again, it's a it's a crosstown rival. I'll put that in quotes because they're really not a rival, but you know, they're a different conference, likable team. The fans are good. It's an organization that you have to tip your hat to and say, this is how you run, you know, a restaurant. Um, so, yeah, I'm fine. Whatever Ravens gear he wants. I mean, well, usually I that's, that's one of the birthday or Hanukkah or Christmas gifts items is something Ravens-tastic. And I can't say any more because he's right upstairs. And you know. Oh, okay. Well, this is great be for me because I plan to send you random swag from the Philadelphia Eagles just on random. Like, like your random tweets designed to <laughs> – Pluck my nerves. Mission accomplished, Bobby. Eagle socks. <laughs> you know what? If you really want to piss me off, just send uh, me some of that. You know, Fakakta uh, retro reverse capitals garbage. Oh, buddy, Santa's going to have love. something under the tree for you, buddy, this year. And it's <laughs> that it's, sounds very creepy. It's red, oh, white, Santa and Santa something under the tree for dark me. blue. <laughs> uh huh. Tell Santa. Tell Santa to keep it in his pants. <laughs> yeah, fly. Eagles fly. Hey, look, uh, um, <laughs> I got one more thing uh, before okay. we get into, um, you know, some sports. Um, are you watching The Mandalorian? I am. You are. You're all caught up? Yes. Um, Excellent. Are you all caught up? Yes, I'm all caught up. Okay, can I just say, and this is not a spoiler, but when I saw the guy playing Lang. In the most recent episode, I had no idea till the credits rolled that was Michael Bain. That was Kyle Reese from The Terminator. And then I immediately felt so old. I knew right away. What I, I, I said, believe was what I couldn't believe was he's aged. He's not aging well. Oh no! Which I mean, I looked is, at him and I said, "That guy looks slightly familiar. Where have I seen him before?" And then when the credits came on, I was like, I was gobsmacked. I'm like, "That's Kyle Reese." Yeah. I mean, I know Terminator was 36 years ago, but still, come on, it's Hollywood, man. That's what you happened know, the to the talks. I was thinking, unless <laughs> unless he's they make him make make up make make up make it a him. Uh, they made him up with makeup to look like a certain yeah. character, an older character. Uh, right. But yeah. Other than that, I was like, wow, man, he he really hasn't aged well. No, no. I, I looked. I, I looked on on the Wikipedia and the Google, and. That's pretty much how he looks. Well, he's been through a lot. You know, he he actually did fight robots from the future, so. Right. He's gone jump back and yeah. forth through time, which can be very <laughs> stressful. It's very bad on the skin. <laughs> I understand. So we got to give him a pass. I'll and now him, he's, and then, you know, and he had a bad day the other day on The Mandalorian, too. So, I mean, yeah, you know. So what I want to ask you is just I know me and you, and we, we, we're big movie guys, stuff like that. But what's your – are you – um? How do you think John Favreau's doing with this whole thing? I think it's it's great. I think he's he's I mean he's he writes I think just about every episode. He's directed one this season, but a lot last season. He has an eye for this stuff. He's clearly someone who has an appreciation 
for the canon, the Star Wars canon, and some of the techniques that were used way back when in the first trilogy. He uh, he knows the story, obviously. He's woven seamlessly the movies and you know the the cartoons um, and some of the shows that and some of the other media that people aren't quite as familiar with. I think he's doing a great job, and I love. I know this is silly. But even the end, the ending credits where he shows the the sketches of scenes from that that particular show, which I want to know is are those drawn just for the credits? Are those the storyboards for the for the show itself? I, I, I'm just curious. But whatever it is, it's a nice touch um, it's, it's to see. Called, it's called Google. Yeah, but I don't you, have that kind of time. Look, you can look that up. I, who has that kind of time? I'm too busy looking up, you know, Michael Bean or Bain, however you pronounce his name, looking up to see just how aged he really is. Well, I tell you, man, uh, I got to tip my hat to him and and everybody that's part of the production. Outside of the first couple episodes that started this thing off, it was a little slow in the beginning. And, yeah, they uh, usually are. Yeah, and I'm, I'm way, believe me, I'm way over it and way past by now. And then the only other episode, as far as I'm concerned, was episode six with Bill Burr. Um, that was just some horrible acting. Some really just, just, it was a terrible episode, and I almost gave up after it. And it wasn't until, you know, then I came back, obviously, watched the rest of it, and they, they, they ended strong. Yep. And I think they've just done a, an incredible bang up job here, the production. And it's, look, it's a great mix between, you know, there's a thin line that you have to play in the Star Wars world, and that mm-hmm. is for the adults who grew up with the right. originals, <clears throat> and then obviously the, the, the younger generation. Right. And the kids, and that's like what you were saying before, tying in the cartoons and, and, and all the movies and, and everything else. But, um, you know, he, he, I think he's really doing a great job because especially this new se- season as a 51-year-old who remembers when, you know, he was whatever he was. Uh, when when the first one coming out? 70 what? 77. So I was seven years old and, in the movie theater and, and seeing the stormtroopers come through that gate forget about it yep it was all over and then you know from seeing the the, the snow walkers and empire strikes back when they first came in so it was those kind of magical moments so right what i what i wanted to bring this up with is because in a in a just a plethora of so many shows and movies and specials and netflix and hulu and all the different platforms and everything else and then something that Star Wars is very sacred to a lot of people. And, you know, you know, we could talk about, you know, how angry people were with the prequels. And then, you know, people have the, the arguments with the, you know, the soft side. But they're going to, like I said, it's a thin line between walking between adults and the kids. I think Favreau and his crew and everybody else is doing a great job. The special effects, it, it, like I tune in, I got uh, my big screen down here, surround sound. I, I pop that thing in. Usually I watch it every Friday morning when I get up after the kids are going to school and lights out and, I, and I'm boom, I'm there. I am like, and I love it as, right. as an adult. But what really I love more than anything is the, um, is the production, man. Even, uh, the, I think it was the first, second episode of the season, um, with the X-Wing fighters who helped them out in the spot. Yeah, and they're throwing in different things and characters. So they're putting a lot of time into this where there's depth to the, um, definitely the production, the characters, the costumes and the special effects. And yep. I just wanted to bring that up real quick tonight um, just because it's one thing that, you know, outside of everything else that's going on right now in, in the world and so on and so forth, it's like something that I really kind of look forward to every week. And it's great because it takes me back as a kid, too. And, uh, yep. again, I just can't say enough about Favreau. And so far, it's just been uh, it's been fantastic, except for they're, episode six of the first season. Yeah, they're 40 minutes-ish, which is a great, a perfect length of time. And what I really like is 
they drop one episode a week. So you sort of build up that anticipation, that suspense. You look forward to it. I mean, I, I'm, it's okay if you know networks want to drop all their shows at once, and then you risk spoiling it for other people, and you get it all at once, and you can binge watch it as soon as it comes out. But there's something to be said, just like again when we were growing up, you watched a show and you had to wait a whole week, sometimes more, to see you know what was going to happen. And I like that. I think it's you get the best of both worlds. You have the anticipation, and then if you miss an episode or you're late to the party, you can watch them all and you know get caught up again. So it's they, they seem to be, except for that episode you were talking about, they seem to be doing everything right, except for Baby Yoda. No, no. Like I said, that's the thin that's, line. You, you gotta I have know. you gotta have that in there. So yeah, I you get, had to have the Ewoks. I guess you have to have Baby yeah, Yoda. Yeah, look, I think yeah. there's more. Look, the, the the show is ninety percent mature and action, right. and ten percent of the little guy. He's just mm-hmm. part of the journey here. You right. know what I'm saying? The one thing too that Favreau is being incredibly consistent with is the um, the inability of Imperial forces to shoot anybody. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to have it's amazing. This amazing technology, these arsenals, these weaponries, these tanks, these you know uh, land speeders, uh, snow speeders, just the most incredible arsenals you've ever seen. It's futuristic, and they they can't even you know they can't take well, look, anybody out. It's look, look at episode the, the Bo Katan episode, episode three. Uh, they're they're you know they're they're trying to take this this freighter down. And and there's a hundred of them of the stormtroopers and four in the in the in confined spaces Mandalorian party in confined spaces and just shooting everywhere. Yeah, it looked like Harold Ramis in Ghostbusters when he's shooting the uh, the accelerator gun and Dude, just yeah. shooting it all over the bar and they go, "Whoa, nice shooting text." That's what they look like. All these guys. It was like God strike me dead for saying this. It was like they decided, "Hey, Stevie Wonder, we'd like you. We'd like you to." We have a part for you in this next production of oh, The Mandalorian. Just take this gun and just start shooting wherever you see fit. Because that's what it felt like. You're absolutely right. It's like these guys can't shoot fish in a barrel. What about the episode before, man? You got three state-of-the-art. God only knows what the price mm-hmm. of a TIE fighter is as far as, you know, rolling that out. I don't, the Empire's defense the, uh, budget, I don't know what that is. But there were three TIE fighters down a caravan. Yeah. And you got, you know, three scruffs in a rust bucket and right. they couldn't take them out no no well you know whatever they have a <laughs> what can i tell you you know you gotta suspend we'll leave a little it there disbelief. folks you gotta suspend a little disbelief hey, all right you know, welcome to the star wars honchos everybody <laughs> so I, i'm guessing that my my turkey and ps5 stories are gonna have to wait or we can no, do them no, later no no no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought no, that it's was okay. part. Of, I, you brought up turkey oh. in the beginning. I thought that was part of your turkey. No, thing. I'll let I'll let you choose. No, because... no, no. Get them all then, man. We got time, man. Oh. Okay. No. Come on. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, was... we now go back to Robert Cooney <laughs> and his turkey and PS5 stories. Here we go. Yes. Here. So I I was doing a little research because what I love about Thanksgiving, other than the gluttony, is the stories afterwards. Hopefully, not involving fatalities. Where, you know, people have, shall we say, uh, forsaken the safety rules about deep frying their turkeys. I always loved the, the, the frozen turkey cannonball stories um, of people dropping a frozen turkey into a deep fat fryer only to find out that it becomes a projectile 
that of mass destruction. I didn't find any of those this year. I mean, you can go back years past, but I have to be timely here on the hot shows. But what I did find was uh, there's a cottage industry now for law firms about deep fat fried turkey injuries because nobody capitalizes on the misfortune of others better than lawyers. And so there's a whole, this law firm that will go unnamed, but there are trial lawyers. They put out this whole, you know, manifesto on how many injuries there are per year and how many calls the fire department answers every year about deep fried turkey accidents. And then at the end, they talk about if you were injured in an accident involving a deep fryer, we encourage you to contact the burn injury lawyers for a free, no obligation consultation about your legal rights. They talk about poorly designed fryers, safety tips. And what amazed me is, according to Fox News, and take that for what it's worth, every year deep fryer fires are responsible for five deaths, 60 injuries, and the destruction of 900 homes. Each year, the fire departments respond to more than 1,000 fires related to deep fryers, causing more than $15 million in property damage each year. And it took me to find a law firm's ad to find those kinds of statistics. But they're not the only ones. I was amazed to find out how many law firms have now sectioned off some of their litigators to handle nothing but deep-fried turkey injuries. Now, have you ever eaten a deep-fried turkey? Oh, they're delicious. Okay. But I I don't – oh, they're fantastic. I mean, it's – it's, well, imagine the glory of a roasted turkey. Okay, you're picturing it now? Or are you salivating? Now imagine that like same roasted tur- chicken. Imagine a little, that a same chicken. No, no, imagine that same turkey with a nice one inch crust of pure fat ah. and bread surrounding it. So you not only get the glorious flavors of the turkey, but you ah. get that crunch. That goes with it. And you run the risk, as always, of a massive grease fire that will give you something to talk about for years and years every other Thanksgiving. Better have a lawyer, I guess, uh, close by. But if you really want to talk about Thanksgiving food, I have here from the Dallas Morning News. These are four new Thanksgiving offerings in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So those of you who are traveling, we don't encourage you to travel during this holiday season here at the sports. Do what you want. You're going to do it anyway. But if you must travel, stop stop in Dallas-Fort Worth for one of these goodies. First, the dressing stuffed turkey leg. A single turkey leg equaling about one pound of meat is more than a foot long and comes stuffed with cornbread dressing. Yours for the low, low price of $39.95 or... Four for seventy nine ninety five, or perhaps your tastes run to corn dogs. So you can go and get a turkey frank at Corn Dog with no name in Dallas. It's a great name. It's a corn dog dipped in sage, celery, onion batter, fried, and served with turkey gravy and cranberry sauce. Yours for the low, low price of nine dollars, or perhaps. You're a sausage person. Hey, now. You can get these Thanksgiving sausages stuffed with turkey, pork, mashed potatoes, cornbread stuffing, gravy, and cranberry sauce. 
for $9 per half pound. And finally, if you're not already full, the eat what's called the gobbler slider. It's a slider-sized turkey patty topped with gravy, dressing, jalapeno, pecan, cranberry relish, and, and as if that weren't enough, they top it off with a bite-sized little slice of pecan pie on top. $6, two for $11, three for 15 Quite a bargain if you find yourself in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in the Metroplex, as they call it. Now, that's what I call some good eats for Thanksgiving. Well, and there you have it. Especially if you're in the Dallas area. I mean, a, a turkey slider with a piece of pie on the top, like about the size of a, like an olive in a martini. That, it's that tiny because it is a slider after all. I would prefer just a massive sandwich and just put the whole pie on top. But that's me. That's you. That's, that's me. That's you. I, 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 I dream big. I think bigger. So. So there you have it, folks. Some more Thanksgiving yucks. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Rob's <laughs> turkey pokey segment. <laughs> I wasn't ready for it. You put your drumstick in, you put your drumstick out. I don't think that's legal in every state, even on Thanksgiving. Oh, man. Get yourself down to Dallas, folks. I'll tell you Get what. After items. that, I, 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 just so you guys will come back next week, I'm going to save, because this is a evergreen holiday story, the PS5 story. We'll save that for another time. I'm, I'm now, right. I'm now we, full we might, yeah, of holidays. We'll Maybe we'll have some time at the end. If we have some time at the if end. There were the some sports end. to talk yeah. about, and we are the sports honchos. Well, let's I still do that. Think. You know, I'll, let's hear about the ladies there, Mr. Cooney. This right. past weekend in sports. Some good stuff. So, some good stuff, but I, I'm going to, you know, warning. I, I may take an opinion that's, what's the word I'm looking for? Unpopular. Uh-oh. Yeah, and not in a chauvinistic way. So, hear me. I just want to prepare people. Hope you're sitting down listening comfortably. Okay, so this weekend there were two separate events in the world of football, one college and one pro, involving uh, women breaking barriers, breaking through the glass ceiling. Um, Not to the same level as Kim Ng, who's the new general manager of the Miami Marlins, but still impressive. Yet, like everything else in 2020, they're they're tarnished, tainted, if you will. And and I'll explain in a moment. I'll start with the NFL, because you know I love the NFL. Callie Brownson, now, if you had to guess, Mr. Cuthbert, uh, which team Callie Brownson works for? Is it in a name? Is there a hint in the name? Why? She works for the Cleveland Browns Woo-hoo! by Cracky. Good thing, you know, she doesn't work for the Washington Wolfskins. She'd be you know, Callie Wolfskins. Enough Wolfskin. with the Wolfs thing and all that stuff. Just you call, love it. Call on the Washington Football Club. Okay. So she is – no, this is not soccer. She is the – I've never heard of this position before, but she is the chief of staff for the Cleveland Browns, whatever that means. That's not why she made the news. She made the news because she was the first woman to be a position coach. She was the tight ends coach for the Cleveland Browns last Sunday uh, because the actual coach, she was the interim coach. The actual coach was gone. Uh, He went to be with his wife for the birth of their first child. So they had a needed position coach and she stepped in. To me, 
that is, uh, it, you know, groundbreaking. Those kinds of words are thrown out all the time, but it's a very impressive achievement considering there's plenty of quality control coaches. And I say plenty, I mean, there's more than one, but there's other coaches that don't have any real game day responsibility over a particular group. Certainly no coordinators, no head coaches that are women. And for years and years, it's always been the, the one thing that men, less enlightened men said, a woman can never coach a man's team. We'll just stick with football. There's other sports, but the thrilling was that's never going to happen. And it did happen. And again, it's, she's not a head coach. She's not even the full-time coach. She just stepped in. But the fact that a woman was on the field in an NFL regular season game for a team that's eight and three, I might add, with a lot to play for coaching a very important position, one of the skill position groups, by the way, one of her, one of her charges scored a touchdown that game is very impressive. Now, I pause because she's gotten almost zero publicity for this because she had the misfortune, Callie Brownson, of doing this the same weekend that Sarah Fuller made history by being the first, not the first Division I woman to play, or not the first woman to play Division I football, but the first woman to play in a game in one of the Power Five conferences. She is the kicker for Vanderbilt. Okay, um, uh, you folks out there can't see me raising my hand, but Rob, yes, real sir. quick, can you explain to me and the other unfamiliar people what what is Power Five? Oh, sorry. I, I so, honestly, in all my years of watching college, foot, college football and sports, and foot, I, I never, it's never okay. knocked me in the head, and you know, oh yeah, Power Five. What is Power Five? So, uh, long story short, the Power Five are the five most powerful, biggest conferences in the upper level, the Division I level of college football, the ACC, the Southeastern Conference, so the Atlantic Coast Conference, the Southeastern Conference, the Pacific 10, now Pacific 12, uh, the Big 10, and did I say the Big 12? Well, let's say you did. Okay, so there, those are the five. And Vanderbilt plays in the Southeastern Conference, which gotcha. is considered, please, hold on, ACC, Big 10, Pac-12. SEC, Big 12. Okay, just making sure I got them all. Because that would be super embarrassing if you said, what are the I Power was, Five? I, really thought it was and I, was like, of, I thought it was a bunch of white guys who, who owned the teams. Uh, well, they're a bunch, a of, bunch white of white guys who are presidents of the universities, yeah. but right. maybe not the team. So anyway, she's she makes history of being the first woman to play in a game, a Division One game, in a Power Five school. Although, that's Power Five uh, Vanderbilt. Wow, you look at you, man. We'll get Again, to Vanderbilt. Folks, you can't see this, but he put the quote on quotes. Pow- <laughs> we'll get to Vanderbilt's struggles later in the program when we talk about college football. But my feeling is always this when it comes to any sort of achievement like this. Yes, they should be celebrated. Obviously, it's great. But what I said about Kim Ng and Miami, the Miami Marlins applies here, is I'm happy because – for instance, Kimming was the most qualified person to be the general manager. She had 10 years of major league experience. Her resume is without beyond reproach. And you put her qualifications with anyone else's qualifications, take the names off the resumes. She's probably the one that would be picked. In this case, you know, I don't know that she was 
Is she the most qualified? I don't know. I don't know. I know she's a soccer player that can kick the ball really far. So I hope, I hope that Vanderbilt, the coach of Vanderbilt, who's been fired, by the way, again, more on that later, I hope that she's kicking for him because she's the most qualified. And by the way, they got shut out 41 to nothing, and her only action in the game, Sarah Fuller, was a 30-plus-yard squib kick because no extra points, no field goals, they were shut out. Now, let's leave that achievement right where it is just for a second. What, to me, tarnished it and sort of made it more of a farce and less about achievement and more about pandering and look at us, look how woke we are, is the whole world is celebrating this achievement. Great. Old Callie Brownson is sort of on the outside looking in. Again, she's certainly qualified, probably the most qualified of the people in the Browns organization to step into that role temporarily. But what the SEC did, and if I was Sarah Fuller, I'd be slightly embarrassed. I told you what Sarah Fuller did for Vanderbilt was a 30-plus yard kickoff. Yes. She was named the Southeastern Conference Player of the Week. Wow. Didn't know that. So let me just throw out a couple numbers for you. And, and, and they're in the Power Five, correct? Yes. And so they're an own 8 team, correct? Yes. If you want. And the coach just got fired. Right. And so they I, got let me just crush 41 nil. 41 nothing by Missouri. And she kicked a little dribbler. Right. Let me just throw these out for just for some comparison shopping. Again, achievements I'm, are I'm great. I'm just summarizing everything yes. before you go right. to your big focus. Exactly. Go. Again, achievements are great as long as they're achievements and they're legitimate and they make sense, not just let's just trot somebody out there as a show pony to show what a wonderfully enlightened university we are. Uh, there were 12 punts, same weekend. Uh, Texas A&M's Nick Constantino had 12 punts and Zach Von Rosenberg, now that's a great name, Zach Von Rosenberg for LSU, had 23 punts combined uh, with Constantino having 451 yards of punting and Von Rosenberg 442. Okay, and then we also had a 52-yard punt return by Georgia wide receiver Kiaris Jackson. Uh, Jackson, let's see, was the longest. I know his 52-yard punt return, the longest punt return in the SEC this season. I know where you're going here. I bring this up because you don't like women. Yes, exactly. I, I'm a total pig. I'm a total misogynist. Why are these women, women, why are these players, why were they not, even if they were co-SEC special teams players of the week, I'd be okay with that. But the whole world is applauding, and well, it should. It's a wonderful achievement. But you don't give a player of the week award to someone who, who well, on the, the field maybe kicked there's a 30-yard kickoff. Maybe there's a lesson to be learned here. And I know that's unpopular. If more women were given opportunity in men's professional sports, mm-hmm. and this was a regular occurrence during the week where she was playing and kicking every week or whatever, those other two guys, those three guys, they probably would have got the nod mm-hmm. player of the week, you know, in the Power Five one of the Power Five conferences. But because there are not, 
there aren't any women performing or playing in men's professional sports or collegiate levels here as we talk. Uh, even if she just walked on the field and took the to- coin toss, she probably would have got player of the week. But you know what? It doesn't happen. So they had right. to. They had to do it. I mean, I know you understand that, and I know the frustration of you know these other guys who had better performances that week. I get it. But this is the this is the problem. I mean, you know, here we are in 2020. There's obviously a reason here why, or we don't know, but we do know there's why women aren't being able to play in intermixed, you know, with male sports, whether it's hockey, basketball, based. None of them obviously are doing anything. You get some officials, you get some umpires, you know, referees and stuff like that, which is great, but. It's it's still they're two separate things. There's men's leagues and there's women's leagues, and that's it. But I mean, to keep this kind of short, on my rambling is, I get what you're saying, but like I said, because they don't have, it's not a, a normal average thing. My feeling is that's she's always going to get it. Like I said, she she probably could have just stood on the sideline with her helmet on, and she might have got player of the week. But you know what? She's going to play again this weekend. She's still on the team. It wasn't a one, one-time one deal. Let her play. Let her earn it. Let her be treated like every other special teams player. And I'm sure I'm sure Sarah Fuller feels the same way. I don't want to get an award I really didn't earn just because I'm a woman. It's enough of achievement that she walked onto the field in uniform and participated. She didn't just stand on the sideline holding her helmet. She would have kicked a field goal, would have kicked an extra point, had – Vanderbilt actually scored any points and, and don't, don't diminish the achievement with an award that I I know it's special teams player of the week, but to the people who are special teams players who are not going to play in the NFL and whose football career is going to end when they graduate, it's kind of a big deal. And and I would think that any player wants to win an award legitimately. Any player wants to set a record legitimately. Look, we all remember, uh, when Michael Strahan, uh, when he was going for the sack record, the single season sack record, when uh, old Brett Favre kind of laid down for him and gave him the sack record, you know, I, no one's really going to remember that other than me because I have no life. But it, I'm sure as great as it is to celebrate that achievement, you don't want people to say, well, there's an asterisk because he didn't really get that last sack. Athletes are proud of their achievements and they don't. They want to earn them. They want to. They don't want people to look at them and go, "Well, yeah, you got it, but you didn't really get it." You know, we we want some legitimacy to our awards. Yes, I get it. But the, the institutions, the sports, the the programs, no. the uh, you know the um, you know they the colleges they they've created this situation. Right. It create it's created this discussion, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not going to get too. I totally get what you're talking about. But for me, it's like, well, look, there's there's nobody paying attention to this, you know. It's nobody paying attention to this in terms of there's no real, there's no driving force, there's no there's no real um, effort here to get more women either, you know, being place kickers or field goal kickers or punters. It's just not there, and, and or are there? I don't know. Are there a lot of tryouts at colleges by female kickers? Are right. are women trying to, you know, uh, you know, make these teams? I mean, you know, you see the, uh, the 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 women's football leagues that they have are, you know, usually lingerie or, you know, it's all for show, it's all for dollar. And and this some and look, I want to tell you something. 
this is not to take away from from women at all as far as talent level. There are some incredibly talented women uh, out here on Long Island. Um, there are some great uh, even flag football leagues out here that the women play in. Uh, they're incredibly talented. Even even that uh, women's league, I can't think of it right now, but I know the women play in sports bras and sports underwear or whatever. But some of those girls are pretty damn talented and pretty damn tough. I mean, it's part of the uh, the show and the dollar or whatever. But it's not to take it away. But I guess, like I said, these are just institutions um, that are just not really, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not to take away anything from these women as far as the credit and talent. I'm, think, I'm saying it's a shame, um, but there's just not enough drive behind it um, to really make um, a dent into the the news cycle or the, you know, uh, what it deserves. Because I would, uh, what I'd like to say is I wish there were more women a part of it, but there isn't. Yep. And that's just the way it is. As we I just say feel in, our, in our Sports Honjo's uh, theme song, um, we tell it like it is. And that's how. I, I just, I feel bad for Callie Brownson because she got uh, almost zero publicity over this. And I will say the fact that this happened in the SEC, which is about as stuck in the past, in the good old boy past of the Deep South as they come in college football, that's probably the impressive part, the most impressive part. Of all the conferences, that's the last one I would have expected to do anything uh, groundbreaking and momentous. So can like I ask that. you a little backstory on this? What, how, how come yes. she was – why did she – somebody get hurt? Somebody – did she take somebody's spot? I mean, what, what happened? Um – that's an excellent question. I believe uh, the kicker was either – the actual kicker was either hurt, football injury, or there was some COVID-related issue. Uh, okay. um, they just they – had, they had an emergency need for a kicker. Um, and, again, if you look at the, the videos that she's posted of her playing soccer, she's got a leg on her. I mean, again, she's, she's certainly not someone they just trotted out because she's a woman. She has the ability – that's a bigger problem. I mean, yeah. even just women's sports should just get more airtime. I mean, I know the United States uh, women's soccer team, you know, has gotten enough national coverage over the last few years and stuff. I mean, the United States women's team doesn't really get much coverage, you know. But anyway, that's that's a whole nother couple of sports honchos programs as far as, huh. you know, women in sports and, and the, uh, the respect that they get or the lack of exposure that they get to. But it all comes just, down. Go ahead, go ahead, bud. I'm just gonna say, just to answer your question, uh, it's instant gratification for you. She is a goalkeeper on their Vanderbilt's SEC Championship soccer team. Vanderbilt had a grad transfer kicker opt out before the season, and several of their specialists had to go into quarantine due to COVID-19. So that's how we came to her. I apologize for cutting you off. I just wanted to answer that question more definitively than my. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite all right, man. It's quite all right. You're still a sports intellect in, in my world, old chap. Yeah, so thank quite you. All right. Quite all right. Anyway, uh, look, both ladies, continued success. Yes. Uh, th- thumbs up, huzzah, huzzah. Again, tremendous achievement for both. Um, and, and it's, an, again, a great achievement because they actually are qualified. That's the part we shouldn't overlook. Hey, I've said it, man. We need more women in government. We need more women uh, doing more things better yep. than men. All right? Yep. We're so dopes. Keep that going. Now, as far as uh, overachieving, um, would you say Jake Paul overachieved a little bit against Nate Robinson this past weekend as part of one of the amazing undercards in the uh, heavyweight uh, return of uh, Mr. Mike Tyson, who fought 
Roy Jones, Roy Jones to a draw, if, ladies and gentlemen. If you had told me that a 54-year-old and a 51-year-old were having a fight, I would have said, what, was it, was they, were they fighting over the last fruit cup at Ingleside? That would be my first <laughs> response. But no, it was actually two former boxing champions wheeled back in the ring uh, in Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, fighting an exhibition match for charity. Um, and then the undercard was Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. All I can say, folks, about the undercard is just Google up Jake Paul, Nate Robinson, or just Nate Robinson KO. It was like a cartoon. I mean, one punch done. You know those cartoons where they punch you and then they you just you stand there and the little stars are surfing around the head and they'll go and they fall to the ground like a sack of potatoes. That's what you want to see. That was the highlight of the of the undercard. Was just I've never seen a, a human being in, in a sanctioned fight just that floored before. But the the main event was Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. and it was a draw, a fight that was judged by three former boxers, um, including Christy Martin. Hey, speaking of uh, women making inroads in a male sport, um, and it was a draw, but. I think they just said it was a draw because they couldn't bring themselves to declare one alter cocker a winner over another alter cocker. I mean, if you look at the stats from the fight, Tyson pummeled him. He outpointed him, out, outpunched him, landed more punches to the body, but they called it a draw. And you would think, okay, well, you guys had your fun. Now back to making you know movies and, and counting your money. But Tyson... Tyson said I would have done everything better. I was doing everything I could have done better. So God willing, I'll be better the next exhibition. Mike Tyson is ready. He's ready to get back into the ring. And if you took a look at him, <laughs> I wouldn't argue with him. That guy, he just, I mean, obviously he's not the same ferocious beast he was at 19, 30 plus years ago. Well, but you know, boy, does well, he look good. Yeah, and you know what? He looks scary still. All right. I mean, look, I'm not tuned in here far as heavyweight boxing these days, as far as the big guys, you know, guys in, uh, you know, Mike Tyson's division, you know, his weight and size and everything, right? He's the, the top right. guys, right? The heavy hitters, the heavyweight champion of the world, right? That's the he highest was. you can go, right? There's middleweight, right. there's lightweight, so there's heavyweight fight. When's the last time you watched a heavyweight fight? When's the last time a heavyweight fight was of any... Anybody interested in, in anything? When's the last big marquee heavyweight fight that you can remember? I mean, it would have to be when Tyson was still legitimately fighting, even <laughs> after prison. I mean, you know, you go back to Lennox Lewis, Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, uh, that era, even George Foreman in his second go around when he was a your friendly neighborhood grill salesman. Um, that's it. I mean – after that, so, there was a bunch, a bunch of guys named Klitschko who were heavyweight champions at one time. But, yeah, I mean, this wasn't even a sanction, you know, for the championship. This was just for exhibition. Look how many eyeballs were on it. And then, Well, that's I what think, I want to ask you. What was the numbers? Because I'm, I'm trying to get it here. I mean, even uh, the company that, that hosted this thing, that broadcast this thing, they're uh, an AI-driven music and social media experience. Triller. Right. And then and, Snoop Dogg come in, and he was doing the comedy. He performed during the event. He was the commentator, and he performed during the event. I don't know the numbers of how many people, but well, they, it, all I see it, here is they, they broke pay per view records. Uh, right, no, not surprising. Uh, and I, and even, was, I even know guys up. In, I mean, worldwide, 
I got guys up in Canada that I didn't watch right. it too, so I didn't watch it. I wasn't really interested, to be yeah. honest. With it was 1995, so the price was right, certainly. Yeah, um, I mean, but it's, but you I, know, what I'm trying to get at is, again, I mean, and that's what happened with the heavyweight division. It just started deteriorating. It's it's kind of like the uh, MLS and the NFL today. Just poor quality <laughs> sports production. <laughs> You know, okay, I'm not, not a lot of, of talent lines. there. You know, there's just not a lot of talent going on. Not very interesting, kind of boring and mediocre. So anyway, that's how heavyweight boxing came. And now look at this. To me, that's just a that's a sideshow. That's that's one level what equal to or below wrestling. I mean, come on, it's a joke. What did what did Russell Crowe say in the movie Gladiator to the Emperor? What Which did he say? Way to the Coliseum. No, no, sir. That was another line. He said, are you not entertained? I know what he said. Most That's, and I say the same, are you not entertained? That's what we want, especially in 2020, in the depths of winter and the depths of that, of that That illness we shall not speak of. We want to be entertained. You know what? And we were. Well, I wasn't. label on this show. That's just a huge pile of shit. (laughs) What this fight? That a whole bunch of people, yeah, they made no. money on it. Good, you know. Look at you know, you know, they had a draw. They're gonna fight again. It's starting this whole now thing. Now Jake Paul's gonna fight Conor McGregor, and Evander Kane wants to fight from the you know the wait, uh, wait, wait, San Jose Sharks. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's Jake off Paul into this. is gonna fight. Is gonna he's fight challenging everybody Conor now McGregor? because because good. I no, hope so. He's, he's gonna challenging get, everybody he's gonna get now. Nate Robinson because he because he punched Nate Robinson out. Okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, and everybody's jumping on this now. And, you know, these guys are going to fight again. Tyson's going to keep fighting. Because it's like anything else. They roll this out. Let's see how many people watch this. It's all about ratings. It's all about money. So they broke records. They made this thing work. You know, Snoop now wants $30 million or some kind of ridiculous amount of numbers because he wants to do these. He wants to do these events now because everybody loved it and it was great and stuff like that. It's just... You know, you talk about entertainment and all that other stuff. That's just crap. You know what it reminds me of? Remember the movie RoboCop? Of course. Yeah. You mean the original? Not the I'd remake. buy that for a dollar. You remember yeah, that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You remember that shit? It's just crap. Or it's like Running Man. You remember Right. Schwarzenegger uh, and stuff? Another good one. Yeah. It's just shit. And that's unfortunately, if that's where entertainment is going, not only in this country, but in the world, we're in a lot of trouble. Okay, but let's just, can I just clarify one thing? Go ahead. Okay, that uh, you're su- you're saying that the entertainment portrayed in the movie Running Man and RoboCop that was the shit, not the movies themselves, because I've already taken enough abuse on the NFL thing. But if you're going to start bad mouthing Running Man and RoboCop, I'm afraid we can't be friends anymore. No, they were classic movies. Okay, I just want to I just want to clarify what I'm comparing it to is okay. it was they were they were the downsides of society. Okay. Got where what they were you. doing for entertainment purposes, they just it was just abusive, disgusting, you know. Okay. I'm tracking with you. I'm right there with you, buddy. No you quality entertainment in the future. That's what it was. And that's what got we it. got last weekend as far as got I'm it. concerned. Bunch of okay. old guys slapping each other around. <laughs> you got a YouTube star knocking out a, an, you know, it's just whatever. But All right, Well, here's why I think he got one too many shots to the head. So after the match, he said... He's not going to participate, Tyson, not going to participate in any fights outside of an exhibition, pledged to give his purse to charity. And then he said this, this gem, which tells me he's been hit one too many times in the head. Uh, This is the quote, Mike Tyson. This is better than fighting for the championships. This is my favorite part. We're 
and I'll wait for you to stop drinking so you don't spit that all over your equipment. We're humanitarians now. <laughs> we can do something good for the world. We've got to do this again. Yes, Mike Tyson, let's give you the Nobel Peace Prize for beating up another 50-year-old man for money. Now, I, I agree. It's entertaining. It's fluff. It has no redeeming social value. But to call yourself a humanitarian and fighting for good in the world, you're fighting so you can stay relevant. Until they make the hangover, the fourth hangover movie, you got to keep your name out there somewhere. So you do this, you and Roy Jones. And then he said that he was a, he was a, he had a fear going back into the ring. He said, I'm afraid I might get hurt. Now, he said this to Jim Gray. Can you imagine the, the, the Mike Tyson of even 10 years ago you talk, saying, Jim I'm Gray afraid I might HBO get boxing? hurt? Yes. He was there? Yeah. He's, he's every, everywhere Tyson is, Jim Gray shows up so he can have another <laughs> awkward exchange with him. But can you imagine Mike Tyson ever saying, I was afraid to get hurt? I mean, in any incarnation. Well, you know, anyway. we get into our 50s, we, we become a little fragile know, and a little insecure. still have an image to uphold, even if it's decaying, like Tyson seems to be. Oh, anyway, man. good luck to him, and good luck yeah. to Roy Jones Jr. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see you, you know, next year for another fight. Maybe they actually will fight over Fruit Cup at Ingleside. Now, Sweet. that I would pay money for. What would you that pay? That I would, I would pay. What? Oh. What would you pay money for? I would pay good money if those two were at Ingleside fighting over the last Fruit Cup, as I alluded to yeah, a few I minutes like ago. That. That, I like that. I would pay good money and for. And I would even, I would throw, I would, if you were there commentating it, mm. I think that would be awesome. Fantastic, wouldn't it? We are live to Robert Cooney. <laughs> live at Ingleside. <laughs> I'm Rob Cooney, everybody. Welcome to the, the great Alter Cocker standoff. Yes! Oh, man, I love it. So, Who look, uh. Yes, sir. You have any notes here you want to talk about the NBA's COVID-19 protocols? You know, I was really hoping, I think we've mentioned it once so far, and that's, you know, that's why she's no. kicking, because the guy was having the COVID. Um, Stick a fork in it if you want to stay away from the vid. But what, what, is it anything new? I mean, they start it's training just, camp this week, right? Yes. They're going to uh, start playing real ball here in a couple of weeks. I December, think we should wait start yeah. talking. December 11th, I think, they start the exhibition games. I mean, I, I don't have to go through this all. It's just they are, they're, you know, they're not doing the bubble thing. No. But the, 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 the two-tiered approach to testing and, 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 and if you, are, you test positive, the hoops you have to jump through, it's great. They're really taking this a lot more seriously than I thought they would. But, again, I, my, it always goes back to my concern of – Shortened season, got to get in before the Olympics. I'm, I'm now. I'm just curious to see how this season. About the Olympics? No, no, they're worried about it. They're worried. They said There's we got to end the season. Olympics. I know, but don't tell that to. to Where's the Olympics to, this year coming? So, it's going to be in Japan. Uh, Japan. No, you know why? There's going to be no Olympics. Slipknot just canceled their festival <laughs> in June, and they've rescheduled yeah. it to 2022. So whatever, you got to go well, by well, Slipknot, Slipknot, man. Well, yes. Slipknot goes so too to the Olympics. Exactly. You heard it here first, everybody. Breaking Slipknot news. Was supposed to supposed to play a festival in Japan in June, and now it's been rescheduled to April twenty twenty two. There will be no Olympics because if Slipknot can't play Japan, no way these Olympic athletes can play so Japan. They, there are there are two paths 
in this, these COVID protocols, the time-based resolution and the test-based resolution based on positive testing and symptoms and so on. The most interesting thing about all this, and something I didn't know, is it's a violation of the NBA salary cap if uh, NBA teams uh, pay for housing for their players. So if you say here you're getting $50 million a year and we're going to throw in you know, a house that's $10,000 a month rent, whatever it might be, that that violates or that doesn't violate the rules. It's applied to the salary cap. And so if you go over the cap because you're paying for housing, so be it. So they've actually made an exception to this that if you are uh, – if you do test positive, have to be quarantined, they will set up isolation housing for the player or pers- or staff member who has the positive test, and they're going to waive off this – uh, salary cap restriction. So when I saw that, my first thought was, can you imagine if it's a LeBron James type NBA superstar, they're not going to isolate LeBron James in a motel six. They're not going to put him up in a studio, a one room studio apartment in the city. Can you imagine the palatial estate temporary as it might be? For one of the NBA's marquee players, how great would that be? What if they said in t- in Tampa, they went to Tom Brady's house, and Adam Silver rolled up with a giant cardboard blank check and said, "All right, uh, we need this house for two weeks because LeBron James tested positive. How much is it going to cost you?" I'm curious just for that, just to see this isolation housing and the sliding scale of opulence based on how. Uh, how good a player, how marketable a player you are. <laughs> how great would that be? You're talking, you know, you're, you're, you're using LeBron as a, an example, right? The isolation and houses. I, I knew he just got, he agreed to a two year extension, right? For a lot of money. But I didn't know the number yet. <laughs> now, you 85 talking, million. You just saw my reaction. Yeah. I just read, hoo, 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 85 mil for two years? Mil. Million. He's worth it. All right. You know what? Here, what we can do here with this, this, this COVID NBA thing, and let's just forget whatever. I mean, this just makes me laugh. And meanwhile, the NHL, right? And their players. I mean, talk about the two different. I mean, they are galaxies apart. I mean, the money, the NBA, the Lakers, eighty-five million dollars for two right. years. This is a league that said if we don't start playing at Christmas, we're going to lose half a billion to a b- 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 billion in revenue. That should tell you something right there, the disparity between the NBA and the oh NHL. God. They're talking about housing for sick players, and the NHL, can't. their own commissioner, can't guarantee that a st- season is going to start, let it forget on time, at all. It's night and day. It's unbelievable. LeBron could have like his like a a, a, a a duplicate model of his mansion flown in to a, a some real estate in whatever yep. city he's playing. <laughs> I mean, oh boy, eighty five! Wow, God bless him. Yeah. Wow. But wow. It's just, and, and, I, you know, I'm and, and the NHL and the players and two years, eighty five minutes. So Panarin got. Eighty some million for seven years. Now, granted, LeBron's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Granted, LeBron, it's like I said, but you can't compare them. 
it's too totally, but it, it just, to me, and I'm not playing dumb here. I should know this already. But, you know, my, when you get into this just, you know, coned in on being a hockey fan, and you just, you're, you know, those are the numbers. And Because Bettman came out today. They don't have a restart plan yet. They're having problems with the players, the CBA, the negotiations, the MOU, all this other stuff that's going on. And, you know, if you're an NHL player now and you read that in the headlines today, you know, and the thing is, in, in the NHL, we've had different winners now. It was only since, you know, Chicago and, and the Kings there traded back on, on multiple Stanley Cups and then Pittsburgh before that, but there's been a different Stanley Cup winner. So the parity in the league, right? So there's no dynasty. And there's really no player, you know, since Sydney and, and, and but even Ovechkin's dominance in the league was not leading to dominance in championships, you know? I, I, I know that's right. Yeah, and then, you know, Sid actually, you know, he, he's been to, what, four or five? He's won three or four. I don't know what the exact number is. But, you know, Sid's the last guy who's really won a bunch of cups, you know? Um, and a city and all that other stuff. But I mean, you well, don't, don't, don't forget about Taze and Kane I mean, in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But even, I mean, what, McDavid got 100 mil for let's, whatever it is. He's got to yeah. play eight to nine, ten years or whatever. LeBron just got 85 for two. Yep. I mean, that's insane. You, and LeBron's what? He's 50 years old, too, right? Isn't he's he? He's like 100, I think. Do you, yeah, do you remember so, in 2008 when my beloved Caps signed Ovechkin to 13 years, $124 million, yeah, yeah, And people yeah, were yeah, like, yeah. wah, wah, wah. You're giving it. First of all, I don't know what was what the reaction was harsher to. Jared the, Cole, the length the he just or got the money. $600 million, right? For two yeah. seasons, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, Patrick Mahomes, 10 years, $500 million. Five hundred million. Five hundred million dollars. And 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 people wonder why is the NHL having so much trouble getting their act together with the owners because they're looking around the other leagues and going, well, what about us? Uh, you know, it's it's that's why Look, I said I'm, when when, when I, your commissioner comes out and says I can't guarantee that we're going to start, that's not the vote of confidence you want from the the spokesperson for your league. Well, he can't guarantee the start. He's also saying that they uh the stuff that's being reported in the news as far as them reneging on the uh, the terms. They didn't do that. I mean, he basically, you could kind of read, and anybody who's out there listening who hasn't, check out uh, Greg Wazinski, and I think it's Craig Johnston who had the reports from Bettman today, his statement and everything. And I'm not, I'm not going to read it here, just give a general summary. But to me, it's like, you know, well, you know, Bettman's kind of, you know, he's he's answering to his, his GMs, you know, his owners, not the GMs, the ownership more than anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I got a bad feeling here that the the players are getting backed in again. I know that it's a fifty fifty split or whatever as far as the agreement is right now, and and whether you know. But I got a bad feeling about the NHL. I don't I don't know if it's going to happen, and if it does, the players are gonna they're gonna give in again. They're gonna yep. have to. Because there's no way, I don't think there's any way they win this. And you talk about the disparity as far as the salaries and the money. So if they turn around and say, we're not playing. You know, that, that's there's nothing because, I don't you know, we'd have to look into it in terms of how the contracts are guaranteed, what kind of money they're going to get. But they're deferring already. Right. What, what a horrible situation they're in. I mean, I understand we're talking millions of dollars, and most people listening right now aren't making millions of dollars, but it's all about perspective. 
if somebody asks you and you agree to defer part of your salary to save your business and then you're asked to defer even more, you want something in return. And that's legitimate. So this is what I said last week. This it's not even a fight, not a dispute this failure to reach an agreement. It's not one where you can easily say greedy owners, greedy players, one side good, one side bad. It's kind of you, you see both sides. And I think I even said if they not that I, I, I'm advocating for this, but if they had to say, look, we can't do it this year unless we have fans. And if we want to have an NHL in 2022, maybe we shut it down for a season. Again, not advocating that. I don't like that idea. But it'd be a work stoppage where you would say the first time in history it'd be a work stoppage in a professional sports league. I believe that was voluntary done, voluntarily done to save the league. Short-term pain, long-term gain. I mean, that's where we are with hockey. Again, they don't have the TV exposure or the TV revenue. They have a rabid fan base that doesn't really extend in a lot of places beyond the arenas. Like you get packed arenas. Again, the fans love their hockey. Same thing here. In D.C., we love our caps, but you know the bloom is off the Stanley Cup rose a couple of years later, and now it's back to the hardcore fans that fill the arena every night and then a small amount that radiates outside of that arena crowd. And now, obviously, as they go further in the playoffs, the crowds get bigger and bigger, but you got you got to deal with the 82-game season. <laughs> Can't just say, well, we'll see in the playoffs. You, you have to survive the whole season so it's troubling it's hard until this until it gets there's real traction in this country for hockey which you've been saying for years as long as i've been alive it's always been the same thing hey once we get some real traction we can get the tv dollars but football baseball basketball college sports they're all people are like i only got so much room in my thanksgiving plate for sports and sorry you know nhl you're kind of the cranberry sauce Again, that's not how I feel about it, but that's just a lot of people still think it's a niche sport. It just, I mean, just, it just, I don't know, that just, I know it's nothing new, but just seeing the, the, the contract that he, the extension he got and just knowing, yeah. just even the caps, I don't even think the cap on an NHL team is that much. You know? Yeah. Just in terms of I think, and the cap's going to stay the same or go down a bit. I think because yeah, it's, of what happened, every, everything that came out today is is if you're a player and if you're a fan right now, it doesn't look good. good. Luck, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't look good, and it's almost like you know. And then if the players do have to give in, more, I mean, no. I mean, you, now you have to ask these guys to passionately play a sport, right? Right. Now look, we can get it. Uh, we, we can't do it. We don't have the time. But yeah, you know the the average person gonna be like, hey, you got a job, you, you're going to work, you're gonna get paid, you're gonna get the you know paid to do what you are talented enough to do and play and everything. But what kind of passion? It's hard enough to play in empty buildings as it is. Right. Imagine having a drag. You know, they'll be dragging their sticks in. You know, yeah. dragging their equipment and going, oh, I guess we got to do this. Who knows? And then there's the long term damage for mm -hmm. guys starting their careers. I mean, the guys yeah. who have the big contracts in the NHL right now. You know, they'll be all right for the next six, seven years. But the new guy starting in, what's this yep. going to say for their future contracts and the agents? Man, we got to just I mean, skip I this year, man. I certainly am not comparing what I do to professional hockey players, but teaching from home and staring at a Zoom, a, a Zoom field with just black boxes with white letters on them 
I might as well be teaching in an empty arena. I mean, I just peel back the curtain a little bit. Um, I, re, I, re, I do my lessons live and then uh, some of the lessons, some of the direct instruction, you know, like giving out notes, instructions on assignments, I make videos of to post so that students who are absent don't miss out on what we did in class. And it's, I dread it. I dread doing these video direct instruction lectures because I'm talking to myself. In fact, the joke that I always make is welcome everybody to another edition of Mr. Cuny talks to himself. Um, and it's hard to get the same sort of passion when I know that I'm just talking literally to myself, even in class. So you're right. These NHL players, you're asking them to work up the same energy, the same fervor for playing. And they're going to play because they love the game. They love the sport. They love being hockey players, but not having fans there, it's hard to build up the same energy. And then you, on top of that, say, we'd like you to take a little less money. After on top of the money you're already deferring. Again, even people who make thirty thousand dollars a year. If somebody said, Would you mind making twenty seven? Cause we need to save our business. And then the next year, well, can you take twenty five now? You know, I think everybody can relate to not wanting their salary deferred, even if it's for a good cause. And not getting something in return. So yeah, I'm I'm as a hockey fan, I'm worried also. But you know, I'm, I'm looking to 2022 when Yarmir Yager is suiting up for your Seattle Kraken Love at it. 50 years old. Let's get him, get him <laughs> signed, man. Bring him in. That would be something to look forward to. I would, you know, let's, if we have to go, you know, we were, dark, jo- you know we were joking about that. We were going to talk to you know, and now I'm, now I'm depressed. Now I'm sad. You can't, we can't, it's no fun. It's not, Yarmir not Yager. Funny. But it's not 50, funny anymore. You know, it's playing not funny. for Seattle. Because we might not get to see the, the young guys play now. You want to make fun of the NFL? That don't, that'll make you happy. That'll oh, be... if I'm going to make fun of anybody. It's the MLS, buddy. A little soccer news right here. Very little. So we transition. Rob, do you know how many teams are in the MLS? More than one. <laughs> in the, in the, you... wait, let me, let me, let me, let me be my, my best Paul Cuthbert. In the majorly lame soccer? Yeah. Yeah, buddy. That's fine, Yeah, man. baby. Yeah. All right. Now, there you go. Now, how many games into the season are they? Mm. Ooh, I know. <laughs> I know. Is it more than one? One dollar. I'm going to be like, the price is right. I'm going to bid one dollar on this oh, one. Do, right. do, 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 Okay, so the answer to the number one is there's 26 teams in the league. Wow. Answer well, I was two under. is 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 there's twenty three there are twenty three games twenty four games into the season, really? Yes. Wow! Now it's can you name on. the top team in the fourteen team Eastern Conference? Yes, I can. It's uh, your New York Cosmos, no, led by Pele <laughs> no. and Franz Beckenbauer. No, and the Tampa Bay Rowdies are not in this league either. Okay. <laughs> not the Washington Diplomats? No, no. <laughs> the no. Dips, baby. No, Philadelphia, buddy, your favorite city. Okay. No, well, no wonder I don't know. Yeah, there you go. And in the Western Conference, Sporting KC. Now, Rob, do you know what KC stands for? Kansas City. Very good. You are just, yes, you are uh, doing great there. And um, that's it. I don't I don't know how much longer they're playing. And there's your soccer report, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Stay tuned next week for another exciting no, You know, here we are talking about the NBA, right? All the, style, the money, the 500 mil from a home, stuff like that. Now, you have the MLS, and the reason I want to bring this up tonight, too, is, is because I, I couldn't name a player. 
I couldn't. If oh, I was MLS? if I was behind enemy lines right now, and they said, "Look, Mister Cutler, we will let you go and return to your family if you can name one active player on it, an it, active roster is, on is in Major Moreno League Soccer." I would say, "Can I say goodbye to my family?" <laughs> Does David Beckham still play for the Galaxy? No, and that's <laughs> now you bring up. See, this is the thing: uh, Abramovich, uh, Rooney, uh, Keane. Um, Beckham, those are, there's no more key names in the league now. That was a few years ago. And because of that, you know, you paid a little bit of attention. In fact, you know, when Rooney, I'm a big Manchester United fan in, in the Premier League, right? And then Rooney went and played for D.C. United, you know? Loved the colors, the whole thing. And he had a good run there. It was fun. Now he's back over and he's probably going to be a coach now. I think Derby is uh, whatever. But... Look, man, I've played soccer. My daughter plays soccer. Soccer's been pretty big in my life as far as, you know, being a Manchester United fan, a Premier League fan. Um, World Cup, ugh, you know. I, like I said, I've talked about, you know, what I think of that. But, you know, again, you you can't deny when the World Cup of soccer is on, you're going to watch it, right? And then you have the Champions League, which is on right now. Manchester lost today to uh, Paris. Uh, so there's big games for that. And the, you have the European Cup, all these other Different things. But here I am in my home country, and we have the Major League MLS. What is this even? What does this even stand for? Major League Major Soccer. League soccer. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Sad that I know that. Oh, man. And I'm telling you, I mean, look, you know, NYFC, which stands for the New York Football Club, okay? They've been, I think, around for five years now, maybe. Might be more. Could be less. I don't know. Weren't they the Red Bulls at one point? No, the New York, on New Jersey no, Red Bulls. The, your New York Red Bulls play in New Jersey. <laughs> ah, okay. Basically, in a big salad bowl next to the um, nice Newark train yards. Okay, <laughs> and then, <laughs> nice location. <laughs> but they brought this this squad in, and it's backed by. Uh, I mean, they're on MSG here in New York Rangers, and, and uh, is that monosodium glutamate? MSG, then, oh, Madison they don't Square even, They can't get a stadium between Long Island and the five boroughs, Manhattan, upstate, Staten Island. They can't get a, a 20, 30,000 seat stadium built in New York, especially down here in, in Southern State, where it's the international capital of the world. You know? For any of these international players to come in and go anywhere else, if it's not, you know, down in Florida, here in New York, or in Chicago, and, you know, D.C. by you, you got to come through New York. They hey, can't get a football stadium here, soccer they, stadium for this team. They're playing they in built the one here. at Yankee Stadium. They built one here in the shadow of Nats Park. They built a 20,000-seat uh, soccer plex. Are they selling it out, buddy? So how about them apples? Yeah. See, that's well, one thing we got on you guys. All right, so look. You're more uh, than welcome to bring your team here and play their, their games at our stage. Our unbelievable. So that, that, that's it. It's, that's what I got on Major League Soccer. Until they make it any somewhat interesting, besides what seems to be forced fandom of people and the, the flags and the, the colors. and the st- I mean, it's, it just seems so just made up. I can't get into it. I'm sorry, folks. I'm a big proponent of soccer. It's a great sport. And when it's played at the highest levels, in Europe, South America, it's just an incredible game to watch. Incredible players. And they're making huge dollars, too, these guys. 
But man, I don't know how the major I don't know how Major League Soccer is surviving. And we just talked about, you know, I mean, LeBron could buy probably seven or eight of these teams in this league. You know. But anyway. That's it for your soccer report this week. Now, let's head to the gridiron. Where Mr. Rob Cuny will take us yard by yard. Oy vey. Interception by interception. Mask and maskless coaching staff. Oh, boy. Canceled games. Scheduled games. Teams with starting quarterbacks. Teams with rent-a-quarterbacks. It's just wonders like Tom Brady. We'll get to... Are the Bills uh, for real? And the same That's a lot of questions. Survive. <laughs> That's a, a lot, lot of questions. Take it away, the, Rob. Uh, short time we have left. Let me just. I just. We got loads I, of time. Don't you keep just saying that? We got a tons little, of time. A little continuation of the whole Vanderbilt thing, uh, but this time from the coach, not about Sarah Fuller. Vanderbilt's zero and eight this year, and the day after making history by playing Sarah Fuller, the coach Derek Mason was fired. Um, See ya. And just to. Just with a 27-55 and 55 record, six years at Vanderbilt, just to tell you what a train wreck the Vanderbilt program is, um, he is the sixth winningest coach. I, I said, let me say this again. He was 27-55, and 55, the sixth winningest coach in program history, and only the second to lead the Commodores to two bowl games. I didn't games. know that's, he was in the Commodores. Yeah, I that's love what's Easy and Lady. Easy like Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, man, great hits, She's a brick. Yeah, oh, Derek no Mason idea. is he's was mighty he, mighty. Did he play the tambourine? <laughs> Most likely. But he was mighty mighty. He was letting it all hang out, if you know what I mean. But I just want to just to give you an idea. Give me an idea. And then we're gonna, buddy. we're gonna move on to the big boy league. Um he Derek Mason. This is the only time you're gonna hear Derek Mason in the same he sentence. He also played for the Knicks, right? Yes. The same sentence as Paul Bryant, legendary Alabama coach, Paul Bear Bryant. He has the same number of conference losses, 46, as Bear Bryant. Now let that just sink in for a minute. Derek Mason, Bear Bryant, Bear Bryant, legendary Hall of Fame, all-time coach, not a very nice guy, hell of a fashion sense with a houndstooth hat, and Derek Mason, each 46 conference losses. Now, let me peel back the curtain a little bit. Derek Mason had has coached 56 games in the SEC to get those 46 losses. Bear Bryant, 210 Woo! conference games to get those 46 losses. So I just wanted to give Derek Mason his props for a moment, let it sink in, hear his name in the same sentence with Paul Bryant, Paul Bear Bryant. Not even his mother calls him Bear Bryant. Actually, his mother's not calling him anything these days. All right. He said awkwardly. <laughs> I didn't know you had that kind of inside information. Let us go to the National Football League. So we had we had Wednesday night football. Actually, Wednesday afternoon football. You know what the one thing, Mr. Cuthbert, that is even bigger than football in this country? The what? one thing. What? Christmas. Why were the Steelers and Ravens playing a professional tackle football game at 3.40 in the afternoon? Because NBC did not want to interfere with the Rockefeller Center 
Christmas tree lighting ceremony and star-studded Christmas song extravaganza. So when people say the NFL is an unstoppable force in this country, that, 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 that. Can't mess with Christmas. It is until it's up against Christmas. Christmas. In New York, baby. In New York especially. So I have two things. I two takeaways. my way. Two takeaways from today's game. That the Steelers won, much to my son's chagrin. First of all, still undefeated. Yes, eleven and zero. Those uniforms stick the Steelers were rocking. Yeah, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Sorry, uh, the Steelers uniforms what they are wearing. These are very important observations. These first two opening observations. Those uniforms look like freshly painted parking spaces at the mall. Good stuff. Black with bright yellow lines painted on them. I have two words for you. Yuck, city. <laughs> Secondly. The starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens was woofed skin cast off oh. Robert Griffin Dutois, former yes. rookie of the year and starstruck at best. He played bass in the Commodores too, didn't he? And he? He must have. He certainly wasn't playing football for quite a long time. So NBC was doing their usual you know, puff piece about the journey of old Robert Griffin III. And what got me as a Washington fan is when they talked about Griffin being drafted, they said Robert Griffin III was the number two overall pick in 2012 by the Washington football team with the Washington football team logo. Now, look, I've been hitting the head a lot, but I can tell you that there was no Washington football team in 2012. They were the Redskins. I realize they're not the Redskins anymore. Say that anymore. But what are they going to do? Riddle me this, Batman. What are they going to do from now on when they show Super Bowl highlights? For those of you old enough to remember, and you got to be really old at this point, we were in a few of those, and we won some of them. So what are they going to say in Super Bowl Seventeen that the Washington football team defeated the Miami Dolphins? Hello, there was no Washington football team. They were the Redskins. So I'm just a little bit sick of people now just erasing even the history. Okay, you, you can't say he was drafted by the Washington football team because he wasn't. That's just not true. Okay, There is no Washington football team before this year. So when it says Washington football team established 1932, get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. It's established 2020. Okay. So the, the two biggest stories in football from this past week – were, of course, off the field, as usual. Um, so the Lions fired their head coach and GM, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, respectively. The Jacksonville Jaguars fired their general manager, Dave Caldwell. Both those teams just are mired in mediocrity. Why they didn't, you like that? Ooh. Why they didn't fire the coach in Jacksonville? I have no idea. If you're Doug Marrone, you have to be nervous. Because you've already you just saw the the top guy get fired. Your job certainly can't be safe. Um, Adam Gase yet still survives of the O and whatever New York Jets. Um, not surprised. I'm kind of surprised that a GM was fired, you know, midseason because I'm not sure. You just wait till the end. You're going to be paying him anyway because you fired him. Um, so we're going to see Anthony Lynn's going to get the, the axe. Adam Gase is going to get the axe. Um, you know, who knows where else the hammer is going to fall? It's not going to fall here in D.C. 
You can say that for the first time in several years um, because we do love us some Ron Rivera here. But really the biggest story off the field, and you alluded to it earlier with the who's going to play quarterback for the Denver Broncos, is Denver went out there Sunday playing the Saints. And once again, the hypocrisy of my favorite sport and my favorite league was on full display for the whole world to see. I've been trying to tell you this. Okay? Hypocrisy. You know, you call it the National Mediocrity League. It should be the National Hypocrisy League. So both. I just said that, they, that the Ravens and Steelers played today. Originally, they were supposed to play last week. They were supposed to be the third part of the Thursday night Thanksgiving triple header. There was a COVID outbreak on the Ravens team. It's two marquee names, Steelers, Ravens. The game was moved to Sunday. Then it was moved to Monday. Then it was moved to Tuesday until it finally settled in comfortably on Wednesday. Fine. I have no problem with that. In fact, I enjoy having football on Wednesday. Next week, we've got two games on Monday and a game on Tuesday. So the benefit of this COVID thing, the silver lining, is we get games now all the time. But they're, they weren't missing. They're missing some pretty important players in Baltimore, but not a whole position group. And last time I checked, the most important position in football, and some argue in all of sports, I'm not making that argument, just throwing it out there for dramatic effect, is quarterback. The Denver Broncos had to go into their game against the Saints with, help me out on this one, how many quarterbacks? Zero. Because all their quarterbacks, even the practice squad guys, or one of the practice squad guys, all were had to be quarantined. Because one of their players, one of the quarterbacks, not even a starter, tested positive. There was a team meeting. They weren't wearing their masks. Or at a position group meeting, there was mask uh, negligence. And they all had to be isolated. Meaning the Broncos had to roll into the game against the Saints with poor Kendall Hilton, who played quarterback in college but was now a special teams practice squad guy who threw more interceptions than completed passes on Sunday. But they basically went into the game with you and I at quarterback. And did the NFL move them? No. Did they make any sort of accommodation? No. So you move the Ravens-Steelers game multiple times to try to accommodate the COVID outbreak which is fine. I have no problem with that. But yet you tell the, you tell the Broncos, it's not just competitive and balance. It's, just, it's, it's almost like a forfeit because Denver said we're not going to forfeit this game. So the NFL said, okay, we'll make you forfeit but not really forfeit by going to war with no weapons. And, of course, they lost by multiple touchdowns. It was an ugly game to watch. But, but here's what I don't understand. Okay, this is what I, I, first of all, the same day that the Saints were punished by the NFL uh, for not, for having a maskless celebration in their locker room after their last victory. Uh, $500,000, a draft pick. So they, the same day, they get punished, they get rewarded by essentially playing a high school team in a sanctioned professional tackle football game. But what I don't understand is this. The NFL said we have this week 18 
contingency plan if we have to cancel too many games. Why not say to the Saints and the Broncos, you know what? Seems unfair. I know nobody cares about fairness. Well, let's just say in a, in a fantasy world. It seems unfair to make you play this game with zero quarterbacks of any note. We're going to have to bring some guy in who hasn't played quarterback in years, has taken no snaps, no reps, nothing, no practice. He can throw the ball, so he's as good as it gets. They wouldn't even let a player on the team play quarterback for them because he wasn't officially a quarterback. Why not move that game to the 18th week? And think about this. From a money standpoint, let's go back to Don Olmeyer's Favorite answer, money. You've got a team in the Saints that has something to play for because allegedly they could be duking it out with the the Bucks for that division, or even better, maybe they're duking it out for the number one seed in the NFC. All eyes are going to be on them. You can pick whatever time you want. Have it Sunday at 4.30, 5 o'clock. Make it dinner time. Make it late afternoon. Everybody will be watching that game because it has meaning and import and it's all about the eyeballs glued to the television for the NFL. Why not, instead of punishing a team, and if you're the other teams in the NFC South, and, and essentially the Saints got a free win, you're not happy. Talk about competitive imbalance. Talk about unfairness. But all that aside, if you just want to talk dollars and cents, put one game on. Have that week all to themselves. They don't care about you rob they care about money i'm saying forget about fairness no, think of the money you know all a national game Bron- when people want more football they always want four more and football. seven two and nineteen they're done they can't wait to get to the playoffs they don't care now they probably don't want to reschedule any games they just want to plow through this they want to trim it down cut off the dead weight move forward crown a champion and get plow. the hell to next year they certainly are plowing their way through. I think they, they dangled out this week 18 thing, but they seem deathly afraid to actually use it. And I don't understand because, again, it's about eyeballs. And you're not having fans in the stands, so it is literally about people watching. And one football – you know how many people probably watch this afternoon game? People, the, the Redskins – Or even, are even Broncos me, fans tuning in to watch the, the Broncos. Wolf, the Wolfskins Dallas oh. game Thursday, the highest rated NFL game thus far this season. Because it's Thanksgiving, captive audience, can't move, trip to Fancoma, the whole thing. Week 18 with a team again with something to fight for, even if it is against the lowly Denver Broncos. Big dollars. Cha-ching. Yeah, but Cha-ching. I know, but what if the team that Broncos are playing has one of those little things next to their name, clinch the playoff spot, clinch the bye? Clinch the division. That game means nothing. But you don't know that now. Yeah, but they probably do know. Especially okay, so, so, so it's all rigged, right? If it's all scripted, like like wrestling, they've already decided who the Super Bowl winner is. They just haven't told yeah, us yet. It's look, they know already. That's fine. You know, Odds, if you say so, you're going to get the Chiefs and the Steelers in the AFC Championship game. You know, and the Packers and the Saints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, well, we don't know when the NFC, the NFC, NFC is, is we have no idea. so I mean, up for grabs. It's not going to be anybody from the NFC East. Hey, I, would you like me to defend the NFC East? Yeah, Colonel? go ahead. Try. Would you like me to defend? Hold on. Let now, me put some NFC East title music on. Oh, here we okay. go. Here, go with the insults. Talking about the NFC East, baby. Okay. I realize. Dooby, dooby, dooby. That not a single, I can't, you know, Scooby-Dooby-Dooby. 
not a single team has a winning record. I get it. Okay. And maybe fans out there look at the NFC East like, can we just keep them out of the playoffs this year? Because shut down that division. Just shut, let them all go home. It's total mediocrity. But, let them go home. But listen to me now and hear me later, or whatever Schneider from One Day at a Time used to say. I think, hear me out, actually – it is, from an NFL perspective, an exciting division. Now, wait, oh, hold on. Oh. I can hear everyone out there gasping and retching and saying, what did I, what, can you say that again into my good ear? Listen, what does the that NFL. Is, that is Adderall on your desk there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you always talk about mediocrity. What's the one thing, what is Pete Rozelle's dream for the NFL? Every team eight and eight. Why? Not because he wants teams to be mediocre, because he wants people to be compelled. Hey, Nate, to watch. You got your listen, listen. Seven, three and listen. six, four and seven, four. Come on, man. Listen, listen, my friend. Pete Rozelle wanted every team to be compelling. Is he still? Alive? He wanted every team. No, he's what? long. Why he's are not you bringing him teams. up. Because he's the commissioner emeritus, even though he's dead, just like David Stern, he's commissioner for uh, life. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hopefully. Okay. I'm not going to interrupt you anymore. So this bit can end because this is a comedic bit. This is good stuff. No, no, this is I'm I'm dead serious. Okay, now listen. This division, even the lowly Eagles, who look like they've rolled over and and died against the Seahawks on Monday. No team is running away with that division. What does that mean? That means it's December, and every team in the NFC East is playing meaningful football games, even if it's just. Even if it's just to their home fans, the NFL couldn't be happier. Again, what Roselle wanted with his eight and eight stretch, his eight and eight dream, was that every team is playing meaningful, compelling football all the way to the end of the season. Because again, it's all about the eyeballs. The NFL doesn't care about competition. They don't care about stars. They care about eyeballs on the TV set. They don't care if teams are running away with it. They don't care that the Steelers are eleven and zero. What they want, listen, listen. What they want our butts in the seats, eyes on the TV, and if, you know, normally a giants wolfskin game in December, not even the fans in Washington are watching. But if these are games where a playoff berth is on the line, where a division title is on the line, even in a weak, weak, little sisters of the poor kind of division, people are going to watch. People are intrigued I'm by, by games – that means something. Games with something on the line. So is it the best football? Who knows? But it's exciting. No, I, I, I'll tell you the right record. now. Is that a question? Is no, I got the not answer. to you. The answer is no. It's not is good it, football. Is it exciting from a standpoint? No, that again, that's not, it's not exciting either. If, if, if let's say your Giants were, what the formula, there were eight and three. Division's over. Nobody cares. Even the teams, even the fans in Dallas, Philadelphia, and Washington, they don't no, care. Division's over. You, you Those know, games aren't compelling. No, at eight and three, you're watching your team progress towards hopefully no, being a very good playoff team, which can get you to the. No, no. Listen to me, Booby. <sighs> of course, people are love going to love watching the team that's eight and three, the fans of the Giants. I'm saying the fans of those other three teams that are way back in the rearview mirror in that division, because that division was over by Thanksgiving. It had been wrapped up. Before December, I have a very important question for you. Of all these teams here, the Giants, the Washington Football Club, the Eagles, and the Cowboys, 
Have they yes. played well against any of the other teams in the NFC? I mean, obviously, they have uh, three and four wins, respectively. Yeah. But have they beaten each other for those wins? Have they beaten any other well, competitive team in the NFC? Let's see. We're two and two. Oh, in the, the answer is no. So there's no, been a couple no, wins. No, 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 no. Hey, the Giants played the Steelers tough. <laughs> but do you, can you hang a banner for playing tough against better teams? Do you get some sort of a trophy for playing well? Against teams? Yeah, I guess not. Look, I'm not going to convince you or pretty much anyone else. Where else are you going to go for this kind of hot takery except right here in the sports haunches? When I said that the NFC East is an exciting division, and I stand by that because people are watching, and the NFL loves it. I started a uh, uh, a social media segment last week with my little graphics and stuff, and one of them was – Rob's very bad idea. Well, guess what? Yeah, I see. I saw that. Guess that what, was a great idea. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? There's another one coming this week. No, it was a great idea. <laughs> you got. You don't know what you're talking Rob about. Thanks. The all NFC geniuses are considered mad. Rob's you know very, what? very bad idea. Listen, they thought Edison was a, was cuckoo for cocoa puffs. But hey, what am I looking at above my head? A light bulb. So go pound sand, buddy. Sorry, I, you know I get a little carried away. You know I love you. Don't pound uh, well, whatever I, I you want. I love you too. Don't... I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to send you a holiday gift card for therapy sessions because I, I think isn't you, this I need some help. therapy? Isn't this know. our therapy? I don't, don't I pay you big bucks? This is really not. We're not doing a podcast, folks. This is just really my therapy session because I'm too cheap to afford. Well, at this point, in the show, Mr. Cooney, I only know one thing, and is it dope of the time? It's time. Oh. Dope of the week. That's awesome, dude. All right. Again, even in December, even in the, the, the shadows, the end of 2020, the Gags Gang and I, even though it was a holiday weekend, spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner. You can, for absolutely no reward, Mr. and Mrs. Listener, save for my undying respect, our undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating a Dope of the Week yourself. Go on Twitter, at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos, and use the hashtag D-O-T-W. And who will be carrying the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week Cup around the ice rink of shame this week? Yes, this week's winner is Rex Culpepper, quarterback for the Syracuse Orange football team. Way to go, Rex! This past Saturday, Syracuse is playing NC State and is down... Uh, 36 to 29 with 20 seconds left in the game. Syracuse has the ball. Third and goal. Culpepper is sacked at the NC State 18-yard line. Fourth and goal. There is only one thing you cannot do in this situation, and that is spike the ball. And what does Culpepper do? Wait for it. Wait for it. He spikes the ball, and the game ends. What a dope. And, And the look on his face captured on TV after the spike was a priceless Keanu Reeves, whoa-like expression. <laughs> like, what happened here? What happened to the game? Why? What do you mean the game is over? Even the announcers said as much before the fourth down play. Wes Durham, Syracuse play-by-play voice, said, can't spike it. You've got to go. And then we get this defeated and resigned call from Durham. Quote, it is fourth down. They get it snapped, and he spikes it. 
and the ball game will end. The best part of this sad tale is right after the spike by Culpepper, listeners could hear a faint yet audible holy shit from someone in the broadcast booth. Classic. Classic. So, Rex Culpepper, for being blissfully ignorant of even the most basic football strategy, and for obviously being absent the day they taught counting to four at the Tom Brady Remedial School of Math, you, Rex Culpepper, are the Sports Honcho's Dope of the Week. Congrats, Rex. The certificate is in the mail. Way to go, Rex. Love it. That's some good stuff, man. What a dope. (laughs) I mean, come on. Hey, it's fourth down. I'll just spike it, and then we'll get another down. Isn't there five downs the last 10 seconds of the game? I know college rules are different than the pro rules, but I think you still only get four downs. So I apologize. What, what, what day of the week was this game on? Uh, this was this past Saturday. Saturday. What time about? Eastern Standard Time. Good question. I have no idea. Now, you know, your standard afternoon game, I guess. Probably not an evening game. Maybe he's still a trip to fan on the brain. Who knows? I, you know, I, I was trying to. Yeah, no. I can't get it. Who knows? I got nothing. I, I can make no excuses for old Rexy. I can't even, sexy say, I can't even say, oh, we've all done that, Rob. Because we yeah. haven't. Haven't. Even touch football, tackle football games. Even even poor Kendall Hill. didn't even have a clock forced, forced into service for the Denver Broncos would have known. Uh, I probably shouldn't spike it on fourth down. Were the Broncos home? No, they weren't home, right? You know, that's an excellent question. I don't know. Fine. We have the sports honchos. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, if I had more time, <laughs> a little more time, I could have really fleshed out all these thorny details. Oh, my God. Too much. Well, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Your dope yep. of the week from Rob and the Gags Gang. The Gags Gang and I. Honestly working. <laughs> Weekly. It's they're still in the basement now, working on next week's. Exactly. I probably should feed them after say, the show. As soon as we say goodbye. You see, when we say goodbye here, folks, you think Rob goes upstairs and kicks his sneakers off and lays down on the bed and nope. clicks on the tube and watches nope. some old episodes of Golden Girls. <laughs> exactly. I roll up the sleeves, go down to the Gags Gang, Check it and we sit there and we in a smoke-filled room and work on next week's <laughs> of the week. It's hard work. Someone's got to do it. It certainly is. Well, you are a hard worker, my friend, and thank you for I, all your I, your Thanksgiving thank stories you. this evening. They're wonderful. Well, you're welcome. As we put them behind us, way behind us. <laughs> more holidays on their way here before we. Yes, go. wait till our big pre-Christmas show. Yes, I'm going to get myself spectacular. Trade. Yes, by the, way. the Christmas honchos. Yes. All right, yes, buddy. I said Christmas. Sue me. Carry <laughs> <laughs> away there. You know what? That's okay. You can say that. Just don't say. Don't try and defend the NFC East. That's worse. Okay, okay pal. I'll try to. <laughs> All right, buddy. So until next week, ladies and gentlemen, from myself, Mister Cuthbert here in New York, we bid you adieu. Thank you so much for listening and supporting us there, and, and uh, tell two friends and so on and so on. And with that, Mister Cooney, say to the loops to the folks. Toodaloo, everyone. Remember, rate, review, subscribe. We love you. Peace. Honchos out!